Welcome to the Infinite Scale podcast. My name is James Vickery and I'll be your host today. We've got an exciting podcast coming up, actually. We've got Christopher Scaminacci. Did I get that right? I hope I got that right, Christopher. You did it. We just talked about it before the show. He's the Director of Engineering at Tech Pulse and also the author of MSP Automator, which I encourage all of you to check out. It's such an amazing website and Chris has put some really great content up there to help you evaluate vendors because he certainly gives them a good run through when he writes about them as well. So welcome to the show, Christopher. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you and we've known each other for a short while now, both through chatting a little bit about your MSP, which is Tech Pulse, and also talking about working with Benchmark 365. And now we're working together on a more regular basis. So I thought it'd be good to get you on the show, talk a little bit about your background, and maybe you can share some tips and ideas for the MSP community out there as well. Absolutely. I have no shortage of opinions. <laughs> good. I've seen that from your website. <laughs> it's really good. So tell us a little bit about your background. So obviously you're at Tech Pulse as Director of Engineering. Maybe tell us a little bit about your role there and a bit about the company. Sure. Yeah. So TechPulse uh, is based out of Louisiana here in the States. We have a few offices, medium-sized MSP. I've been here about three years. I actually, I found TechPulse completely on accident and it was a great mistake that I just fell into it. Great organization, really tech progressive, forward thinking, really just great all around, right? I had previously come from an MSP in Chicago that was really large, like really large. I call it the Borg because you don't really work there. You get assimilated. It wasn't the greatest experience, right? Because they're caught in that break fix style. Let's bill for hours and keep all the old systems running and limp everything along. Nobody really wanted to do anything new or exciting. So it was a breath of fresh air when I came to Tech Pulse and I was get, getting to do all of the new, fresh, exciting and being on the cutting edge. Let's talk a bit more about that contrast, because I think people are at different stages in their MSP. Some people are struggling to make that transition from break fix to managed. Some people are happy in that break fix space, maybe not communicating it as well to their clients about the differences between break fix and managed. So what are some of the key differences that you saw between your old MSP and the one that you're presently working at? Sure. Really, it's about personalization. Tech Pulse is a boutique shop. We're about those really hard to support clients that might have some super complicated integrations or really need top-notch support 24 hours a day. They really got to have somebody to talk to that knows what's going on. At the previous place, it was a little bit of a different impersonal experience because you're never really going to talk to the same person twice. Things could just blow up. They happen. It's an impersonal experience from start to finish, whether you're talking to dispatch or you're talking to level one through three. Just that mentality of let's just Band-aid the problem, keep going. We can bill them for the hours as long as this thing keeps limping along versus somewhere like TechPulse where we partner with our clients, right? It's a vertical integration from top to bottom. We are their IT department. They pick up that phone. They talk to us. It's like talking to your internal IT team. And really that requires investment from both ends. So it's not just an MSP doing something right or wrong. It's an MSP picking the right clients and cultivating the right relationships. That's more important. And how do you do that? How do you find the right clients? I think it's just being selective. You can sit through a million different prospecting calls, but you really got to look past the dollar signs and evaluate if it's worth it for you in the long run, right? Because it might be a lot of dollar signs up front, 
but you're going to lose your ass in labor and engineering on the back end, keeping that running, or the people might have unrealistic support expectations and they're not willing to pay for what they really need. Mm. So it's really important to weed out those people that might not need an all you can eat full managed services package and might be better suited for somebody that's on a break fix or a contingency plan. Yeah, it sounds, and it's certainly been my experience that sometimes when we're a bit smaller as an MSP, we try to go for the quick sale and it helps to pause and take a look at the big picture and have a think about, well, where can we get this client in two, three, four years from a strategic point of view? How can we put the right solution in place? And that results in a bigger sale. It, it often results in a better partnership with that customer if you actually slow down the process and really analyze what it is that you're getting yourself into. Uh, I think all of us have been through that phase. You as an employee of a, a break-fix MSP, but those of us that have built businesses as well, it's hard in the early days to find that right client and to have that vision for them. Absolutely. We started as a break-fix shop at Tech Bulls too, and eventually transitioned to all you can eat. It's not for everybody. It, there's markets, there's verticals that you're going to be in where it's not going to make sense, but Absolutely. Slowing the process down and evaluating, okay, do I want the big paycheck here and potentially a bad relationship from then on? Or maybe do I want to sell this person some hardware, do a little job for him here and there, and then eventually it's going to work up to a managed services contract, which I'll be honest with you, we do that now still too. People approach us, they might have an internal IT team, they want to co-manage and they just want an office build. Sure, happy to work with you, but you know what? More times than not, in a year or two, they're give, picking up the phone and they're like, hey, can you guys do some more work for us? That's great. And as director of engineering, what does your day-to-day look like at Tech Pulse? A white knuckle ride through chaos. So I'm responsible for all the technical teams and the goings on in, in that regard. So everything from making sure the help desk is running smoothly to making sure the interface with benchmark is running smoothly making sure systems are working and taking the highest level of escalation tickets and directing the engineering teams. Gotcha. You sound like a busy guy. And then when do you find the time to do all of these reviews that you do of vendors? You did one for Benchmark recently. We were just joking before the show that we don't know each other, but Chris has written an amazing review of his experience at Benchmark 365. And we might talk about that a bit further as we go along. But where do you find the time to do these reviews? Is it part of your role that you're assessing these different vendors? Are you doing some of this stuff outside of your day-to-day role as well? I say that I would pull the source material from my day-to-day. The blog is, it's separate. It doesn't really reflect the opinions of my employer, but it's more of a passion project for me because it's getting information out there that's non-biased, that's not being paid for. And I'll go on the record again as saying, James didn't pay me. I wish he had. It would have been even better if he had paid me. People deserve to hear things from people that aren't being paid to say them once in a while. The MSP vendor space is particularly scummy and the waters are particularly muddied. There's a lot of just bad information going around out there. And it's really hard to pin down good sources. There's not a lot of content creators doing stuff like this in the MSP space, really getting behind the scenes with vendors and getting down into the nitty gritty. That's kind of what I'm trying to fill. And do you think that's because a lot of the vendors these days are venture capitalized, really large companies, incredibly sales driven, but perhaps not, don't have the grounding in running a, an MSP of your size or the average MSP size out there? Do you think that's lost touch a bit with what it is that MSPs need? Yeah, I think that's pretty common. 
I think that all of these vendors start out with probably a good product and great ideas and a promising future. And then the VCs get to them and it's just about let's make money. So we're seeing Kaseya destroy Datto in real time. And it's tragic, right? Because it's a vendor that everybody really appreciated. I love that Backupify product. I love Datto Commerce. I'm sad. I'm sad that Kaseya is taking those products over. That's a common theme that we're seeing online at the moment, even just talking to partners, people disappointed that the product that they loved and that was probably closer proximity, if you will, to their business in terms of sizing and, and goals. And then it gets bought out and all of a sudden the product changes or the product doesn't get developed anymore. We see a lot of upset MSPs out there at the present time. Yeah. Look at IT Glue. It's a really great example of Kaseya stalling a project. It hasn't really had anything added to it in years. So where are you going to take the blog from here? Do you see yourself expanding the blog, doing reviews, video reviews, any of that kind of thing? Someday it may be on the horizon. I think that more technical content is definitely coming. I want to really lay into that because I've written a couple of love letters to vendors now and people are going to think I'm getting paid. You need to do a couple of bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a couple of bad. I've got actually the worst thing I do in my day to day is sit through vendor sales calls, right? Because nobody will tell you what their product costs nowadays unless you sit through a one hour webinar with their sales drone that tells you everything you want to hear. I have a, probably a folder of 30 or 40 screenshots of like vendor pricing that's not officially public that if I ever wanted to, I'm just going to go burn the bridges down with everybody, but right. um, we're going to keep it positive for now. But definitely, yeah. I think YouTube might be in the future. I was really inspired by John Savile. You know, he's one of the world's leading authorities on Azure, just about everything Azure, just all his content's absolutely great. And I really wouldn't be where I am without his stuff. So definitely want to do an homage to that. And would it help for you, for people to give you some suggestions around vendors that they want reviewed, or is there a way that people can get in touch with you to make some suggestions for content? Yeah, absolutely. They can drop me a line on the site or on Twitter or on Reddit, always looking for ideas. I want that content to be what people want to read. That site's not monetized. I'm not getting AdWord bucks for it. I want people to have a trustworthy source of information. That's awesome. That's a noble cause, Chris. Well done. I'm not saying I'm not going to sell out in the future, but for <laughs> now. <laughs> Suddenly the entrepreneur comes out. That's awesome. And so it's mspautomator.com if people want to check out the site. And it is really great. And Chris does an exhaustive review. And I think I even saw a comment the other day that you really should be a journalist. Like your content is so well written. And I really want to commend you on what's been a, a great site so far and that's not just because i'm biased about our review but check out benchmarks review as well let's talk a bit about your experience with benchmark 365 and in particular you already worked for an amazing msp and you got great people and you guys are really clear on your vision why would you consider outsourcing a component of your help desk work I'll be honest with you, I really didn't consider it until recently it was always like i said a naughty word Right. You don't want to say the outsourcing word because it strikes fear into the hearts of everybody in your organization. They think, oh, man, they're sending my job overseas. And that we're not that kind of MSP, really. We're all about ethics. We want to take care of our people. Quality of life is huge. I want my employees to like to come to work. And that's really hard at an MSP, right? Typically, MSPs have high churn rates. I'm really lucky to work for an MSP that has a zero churn rate. We've got employees that have been with us for a really long time. To maintain that quality of life is difficult as you grow. Uh, as you're adding clients, it's hard to scale, maintain that high surface quality, and still let everybody have a life. And that's where 
we hit a bind because you really can't hire and train people fast enough to scale an MSP once you've hit that singularity and you're really picking up momentum. So that's where we started looking down the road of how do we augment our staffing so that guys can take vacation and we're not hurting and absences, just filling in the gaps where we need it. Gotcha. And it's such a shame that outsourcing has gained that stigma, I suppose, when obviously I sit on the other side of the fence and we believe that we run a great business with a great team and they're all human beings, right? Like we're all humans just trying to get a job done and we specialize in MSP. So we often encounter that that fear of I outsource that there'll be a quality decline, right? It won't, they won't be as good as our guys. They won't be as fast as our guys and so on. When you think about it, we're completely engineered around MSP scale and making sure that we deliver an exceptional service to those companies. And I think the barrier is physical and metaphorical island, if you will, of like us being in a different location. Right now, Benchmark's in multiple countries around the world. We've got teams everywhere and we don't see it from that perspective, but it's a big challenge in terms of communicating to businesses like yours that it's going to be okay. And so obviously we did a good job of that and we communicated it, but what was your experience like onboarding with Benchmark 365? Sure. I'll step back and say the communicating part. When I post a review, they're very well researched. We sat down with every vendor in this space extensively, and it was rough. Typically, these kind of presentations in any kind of vertical are really rough, but it felt particularly scummy sitting down with the other vendors in this space. And when we sat down with you guys, it didn't feel scummy because I really felt like you weren't trying you were trying to talk me out of it <laughs> from the beginning. And you're like, you're like, are you really sure you don't want to do this? Like, I think it's not for everybody. And I was like, okay, he doesn't have skin in the game here. So uh, that's how we approach our client interactions too, is I'm not desperate for your money. I want to make sure it's a good fit. And you guys were very authentic from the beginning, which is really what was great. As far as the onboarding experience, it was uh, hilariously simple. I guess is really the only way I can put it. I really expected it to be way more than it was. The diagrams and onboarding documents intimidated me and I was very scared. I'm like, oh man, this is just going to melt down. I got, I sold my boss on this and I'm going to fuck it up. And this is where I go to work at McDonald's, but it was really not that at all. And the team was really great just from start to finish. I actually had another one hour technical deep dive with the benchmark team to onboard some more clients earlier today. And again, just easy from start to finish. That's awesome. It's funny that you say that around the, I guess, the review and the sales process. We just talked to so many MSPs. If we started the company six years ago and we've always been busy, like the one thing that MSPs always struggle with is people. That's just the reality. And a service business requires people. If you want to grow, you need more people and you either hire them or you use outsourcing as leverage. And because we've spoken to so many, one of the things that we recognize in these calls is that not everybody's ready. The, they like the idea of it, but when we get under the hood and ask some questions, it's like, you're not quite ready for this. And there can be a myriad of reasons. It could be that you don't have the time, the bandwidth to actually onboard successfully. It could be that you've got a lot of moving parts. There are people starting, there are people leaving, there's a new customer, there's a big project. And so I think that's led to us, yeah, not selling, but just asking a lot of questions just to try to establish if this is a good mutual fit at the time. But appreciate you complimenting that. I think it's just a natural thing for us over here at Benchmark. Yeah, and I think it's it makes sense, right? Because I think a lot of people maybe start down this path with the wrong intentions or unrealistic expectations. This is not something that it's, let me just send my tickets to some other call center and let them deal with it and do nothing else. Mm -hmm. It's 
not how it, it works, especially in the MSP space, right? It requires an investment from both ends. And it's good that you're screening to make sure people are actually going to put in the effort. The other reason we do that is if we, similar to what you said about Tech Pulse, if you take on the wrong customers, so you've got some good customers and then you've got some not, go, not so good customers that it collides. And then that leads to people problems. We're a people business. We want to give our people a great career. We don't want a scenario where we're creating a bad culture for our company. And the way you create a bad culture is by taking on the wrong types of customers. And we don't just look at the MSP. We look at the sort of customers that they're working with and making sure that it's going to gel. It's got to be a win-win across the board. And one of the things that probably stands out about Benchmark is we're not an endpoint-based uh, sales model. So we're not out there selling number of users or number of endpoints. It's based on some other variables, but the, the main thing it's based on is number of customers. And the reason that we do that is we want a quality control around every customer that we onboard because they're the ones that are going to decide whether this is working for them or not at the end of the day. It's actually, the MSP is actually usually quite excited about joining, but what about the customer? And that's where our focus is. Yeah, that makes sense because if I start getting bad CSATs and they're coming back on benchmark tickets, who am I going to come look for? You or me? <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. So beyond the onboarding, what was your experience like going live? Could you tell us a bit about that? Again, probably still had some hesitation at this point. What was your experience in the sort of first few days after you started lodging some tickets with Benchmark? Yeah, I would say a little bit of anxiety is probably an understatement. It was like, teeth grinding horror. Yeah, it didn't turn out to be really warranted at all. I think that we might have been in a pretty good position because of the way that our stack is set up and standardized at a lot of clients, but it was really seamless. The hardest thing really was getting set up process-wise on our side to be able to send data back and forth to Benchmark, but we worked that out within the first couple of days and really as far as tickets go, it was exceptional and we really didn't notice any difference. I would say probably about a day and I was actually getting angry because I could not get any curveballs past those guys. Like I was like, all right, I'm going to, I haven't trained them on this. I'm going to send them this, see what happens. Oh man. All right. It's really, it was really refreshing. Strong technical competencies, really good note-taking, which is really helpful because you know, even if they're not finishing the ticket, the good note-taking and doing all that first level foot soldier stuff, huge. Awesome. And I guess, again, the, the big objection or obstacle that we hear is communication. I have to say the number one question we get when someone registers interest in Benchmark is, what's the communication like? Or sometimes people say, do you speak English? Which I do, by the way, I'm Australian and a lot of our team, a lot of our team are based in Western countries as well. But naturally, we do our best to hire people that communicate at a really high level. Was that your experience as well? Did you have that hesitation? And then maybe tell us a little bit about how you communicate with the Benchmark team. Sure. Yeah. And it's sad that we have to, in 2022, have a conversation like that. But for all the people that are wondering, perfect English, you can't even tell. The primary call center is located in a country where they predominantly speak English natively. So it's really not even noticeable. Communication is really easy to maintain too, because you can just keep Smart Desk open. You can download the app or you can just keep it open on a screen, your dispatcher, and they can instant message back and forth. As long as you're diligent about answering them on time, things keep moving. That's... I think that's really where the convenience comes in and it makes it really easy to interface because you don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to email your account manager. It's just, boom, let me send a little message here on this ticket and they're off. So it's like having that. It's all, I, The way I like to think of it is a 24-7 concierge. So there's a team there that are always available and they might the first person you speak to might not be technical, 
but they're there to coordinate and communicate with our partners and customers. And that convenience of just being able to reach out and say, hey, can I get an update on that ticket? Or hey, actually, here's a procedure that I want to send you to work on it, I think adds a lot of value to, to, the, to, to the MSPs that we work with. Absolutely. Those dispatchers run a tight ship, man. Yeah. Awesome. What about customers? What do they have to say? I wouldn't be able to tell you because I don't think anybody really knows they're not talking to my staff. But overall, like really, we've been getting a lot of really good CSATs back from the benchmark tickets. People are really happy with the support. They're getting it fast. I think one thing that Benchmark particularly excels at is staying on top of people that are not responsive. I noticed that they're very diligent about hunting people down, getting them on the phone, getting the time set up and getting the whatever it is worked out. I've heard from colleagues at other MSPs that that's something they struggle with other outsourcing providers is yeah. they'll send them a ticket. The person won't answer. They won't bother to go chase it down. They're going to send it back to you as no response. Um, so yeah. it's nice that they're going to put the work in. So it's nice. I think that purely comes out of fear for us. We get a lot of tickets for larger business these days. If we can't afford to have a backlog of people just popping up a week later and saying, oh, you didn't fix my problem. So we have a team that's dedicated to just prosecuting, if you will, <laughs> the tickets and making sure that they're moving in the right direction. That would be our number one struggle. And I think it is a struggle for a lot of MSPs is just customers not getting back to you. So this sort of ticket lingers around and then all of a sudden it's urgent. And so we have a lot of systems and processes around making sure that, that doesn't happen. I think I heard an MSP call, call it squirrel chasing once upon a time. So we've adopted that terminology internally. Yeah. We call it herding cats, but yep. Yeah. There you go. So where to from here? You've been with us for a while now and you started on a pilot program. We've supported some of your customers. And I think you said today you met with us again to support some more. Where do you see this going? And do you see it enabling growth and sales for TechPulse? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're leaning on Benchmark more to start taking over like our overnight support. That was one thing that was huge for us quality of life wise for our staff. And that's one of the big reasons we wanted to bring Benchmark in was to be able to provide support after hours. We already stagger our staff across time zones in the US so that we have some pretty decent coverage during the day, better than typically most help desks. We have customers all over the world, like Singapore, South Korea, the UK. They got to have support when we're asleep and it's not really fair to make my staff wake up at 2 a.m. to fix somebody's printer in Singapore. So it just made natural sense and it's been working out great for us. I think in the future, it's going to really enable us to give those guys more of their life back and it's already helping us scale, right? So we're already feeling that cushion of, all right, now we can go out and sell and grow some more because we're not worried about what it's going to do to the help desk. That's awesome. That's what we're here to do. So we really appreciate that you've joined with our company and thank you so much for all of the feedback and for everything that you've done and your insights into how we can do things better as well. So we're not perfect and it's really great to be able to get someone that's committed to the partnership to actually give us some feedback and help us to develop our company and our team. So Chris, it looks like we're going to run out of time. <laughs> it was really great to have you on the show. Those of you that are tuning in, check out Chris's blog, mspautomator.com. It's got some really amazing reviews on the site. And I'm sure Chris would be happy to talk to you if you've got some ideas for some reviews that he can conduct as well. It was really fantastic to have you on the show and looking forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. 
If you'd like to get your own copy of Infinite Scale, just go to benchmark365.com. And if you have any comments, feedback or suggestions for future podcast episodes, just drop us a line at hello at benchmark365.com. Thanks for listening.